1: Hello and welcome to Enlightened Empaths, your community for the spiritually Awakened, where we discuss, explore and connect with fellow empaths, healers, intuitives, and seekers. Hello empaths and welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you join us once again this week. We're going to be discussing angels, intuition, learning to connect within on your spiritual journey with our wonderful guest Julie Jansis, She is the angel medium host of Angels and Awakening and the author of Amazon's best-selling Angels and Awakening, A Guide to Raise Your Vibration and Hear Your Angels. She's also the founder of Angel Reiki Energy Healing and is an angel expert on a mission to teach others how to connect with their angels and loved ones on the other side in order to make this life heaven on earth. Welcome to the show, Julie.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me, ladies.
1: Oh, we're really excited. Can you start us off by, I love your story of how you figured out that you were a medium
2: when you started hearing from your dad. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, I like to say that I wasn't trying to do this work. It kind of just fell in my lap and and came to me. So I had a relationship with my father growing up where I loved him so incredibly much but I started catching him cheating on my mom when I was like in third grade. And it just kind of drew a wedge between us over the years as things unfolded. And throughout my twenties, I tried to reconnect with him from time to time, but we never really came back together permanently. And I was 33, had worked my way up in my career. And every morning, starting August 5th, 2015, when I would brush my daughter's hair in the morning before her preschool, I would hear this voice within myself and it would say, she needs a hairbrush. Like I used, she needs a hairbrush like I used. And I remember having a thought after that, which is, that's not me. Sounded like my own internal dialogue. But I'm a writer, right? And the words that were being spoken within me aren't the way that we normally say things to ourselves. She, my daughter, in my head I would think, Elle, needs a hairbrush like I used. And I, who the hell is I? You know, the only hairbrush I've ever used is a big old paddle brush. So. I'm very confused the entire month because literally every time I brush her hair, I'm hearing the same thing over and over again. And I start to think I'm going crazy because what is happening? I didn't want to tell my mom, didn't want to tell my husband, didn't want to get locked up in a mental institution. (laughs) So, so I'm at work literally a month later and. I'm in a meeting and a family member keeps calling on repeat. And we know when that happens, it's, it's always some bigger news. So I get the news. I hear dad's past and immediately out of my third eye, my mind's eye, I see this vision. Of my dad using a hairbrush that looks exactly like this. If anybody's watching, it's got a wooden handlebar with boars like bristles and out of my just mouth stumble the words, my dad's been talking to me. Now I grew up in a very, very religious household. You do not talk to mediums, you know, it's against the rules. And the woman that I was in front of at a meeting when I got this call was very open to this work. So she said, you have to figure this out. And I began studying with teachers on the west coast, on the east coast, trying to figure this out. And immediately when I stepped into my first volunteer session, saw a person's spirit team come forward, their angels and loved ones on the other side, and started to develop that gift. Oh, that
1: is such a beautiful story because you didn't know your dad had passed. If you had known, if it was you came home from the funeral and you're brushing your daughter's hair, you could have maybe written that off as, oh, grief and wishful thinking. But you had no idea he was on the other side.
2: No idea. Um, He was on his third wife at the time. We were from his first and his third wife, I really just think she thought that we were bad kids because we didn't talk to him very often. She didn't take time to get to know the story of why. <laughs> um, and and he had been cheating on her too. Like he was cheating on everybody. It was hard to have a relationship with the man because you, like I'd go out in my 20s, right? Or Or this might have been a sibling of mine go to his house he's bringing you out to dinner to meet one girlfriend and then at night you're like oh are you talking to molly and he's like shut up because he's talking to susan (laughs) just uh he never found that fulfillment and love in his heart that he was seeking that's funny yeah so no she didn't his third wife never called to let us know wow yeah
3: So do you think because we, Samantha and I have talked to a lot of folks about this as far as having that trauma, because that's a lot for a little kid to hold. That's a whole lot for a small person to hold. Do you think that that helped fine tune your intuition and your connection a little bit by having always to be aware of your dad, what he's doing, what he's not doing and and how that might have transferred later on?
2: A hundred percent. I don't know the correct like counseling or, or therapeutic terms to use for this, but definitely in my childhood, I am a very ADHD person. And what people don't understand about ADHD in girls growing up is that most times it's not a physical hyperactivity. They're not running around like crazy. It's a thought. That is hyperactive. Your, your brain is overactive where you cannot stop thinking and you have a lot of thoughts. And so I think my mom always knew I was different. There's talk about there's stories, like my grandma and my mom would always say I'm the different child and especially when I started catching my dad in these various behaviors. And the very first time tried to talk to my mom about it, he shut that down. Right away, and made me feel like I was crazy. So, they fought a lot too, my parents. I learned to live underneath the radar. I learned to not make any waves in my household whatsoever. I learned to rely on myself and my own intuition for everything that I needed and not have to rely on anybody else to get any of my needs met. And that seems like
3: the the poster child answer that so many of us have felt and experienced. And don't know my background, I was a special ed teacher for many, many years. My younger brother was diagnosed with some learning differences when he was younger, which led me on my path. But the beautiful thing about ADHD is if you line up 100 people and then you have the person with ADHD off to the side, they're going to see they're the solutions, they're the creators, they're the people who invent and they see it through a different lens. And I absolutely love it. I love that brain chemistry because... I've seen over and over and over, once you get that scattered pulled together a little bit, holy yeah. shit, do people accomplish big things? It's beautiful. Yeah.
2: I I heard somebody say the other day, it's not an attention deficit, it's an attention difference. So I don't know if you remember, I think it was like that movie Minority Report way back in the day where they had like this glass screen and the person could see all of these things like mapped out right in front of them. I can see the bigger picture with my ADHD. I can see everything. And I think that's part of my spiritual gift too, is I can see it like it's on a glass wall right in front of me. I can see all the pieces. I can see how all the pieces fit together. And then I think this might be a little unique too, but I think people with ADHD can then break it down and say, okay, and this is the first step, like this is the action sequence. Not only do you see the whole puzzle, but then you see it almost like in a book format, do this first, do this second, do this third. And it helps you as an entrepreneur. So many people, I think that they said it's upwards of 90% of entrepreneurs, CEOs, and presidents all have. ADHD, because they see it like that. They can see it all mapped out and they know how to get it done.
1: Yeah, I've read that too. And I find that absolutely fascinating. Did that overthinking type of habit with your thoughts, did that affect you in
2: terms of learning to meditate and tune into these messages? I see meditation differently. So I see meditation split into two different formats. A lot of people, when they think of meditation, they think it has to be, must be sitting down lotus position, 30 minutes every single day. And there's no time for anyone in this world to get everything done. I think we're all set up to fail. And so immediately people rationalize within their heads meditation 30 minutes a day sitting in a quiet space I've got kids who are gonna annoy me I can't do this so I'm not gonna do it at all and meditation when you have the time and space to do it in that format is awesome and it does help rewire your brain but it's not the only way Eckhart Tolle talks about living in the now i call it living in oneness and when i wrote my book angels and awakening the first whole section is on how you get into and hold what i call oneness it's god's energy right and when you get into this energy it is the radio station between you and the other side it is your soul is the same energy as god's frequency so it's returning home to yourself and when you're in that state It is being in an enlightened meditative state and you can learn to hold it while you're having conversations, while you're doing your sessions. And the more that you're holding it, the more that when there is a message, you feel it come through, you know, the difference between your intuition and your egoic mind, and you can really get a sense of that message. I think easier.
1: I think that's really important for everyone to hear because we don't all meditate the same. We don't all think the same. We don't all look at uh, anything. This That's what's beautiful is we all are bringing our different perspectives to that. So thank you for sharing yeah. that. So you're working at this career, you're married, you have a child, you have this Quote unquote, very normal life, just like Denise and me when we were starting out. And then you decide to go in this totally different direction. How did that work for you? Was it
2: (laughs) fluid, difficult? What is that spirit uh, saying? Spirit will shake you to awaken you. Yeah. I am a Capricorn. I am one of the most stubborn people on the face of the planet. And I feel like spirit has to hit me over the head, you know, sometimes to make bigger shifts and bigger changes. And the way that they did that for me was my dad passed in August. I found out in September, started working with a medium, um, some mediumship training right away. And it was really, really fascinating because the person that I worked with started to shift in her messages to me about six months in, and she started to say negative things like you're going to be getting a divorce, just really, really dark, negative messages. And it wasn't resonating for me whatsoever. In fact, it felt the complete opposite. Like something has shifted within her. I don't feel like she's in alignment. I don't feel like these are accurate messages. And Coming from childhood where I grew up going to Catholic school for so long. And then when my parents got divorced, going to a mega Christian church, it it started to really scare me. And so I prayed and I said, God, I'm going to give this over to you. And if this is something that you want me to do within six months, if it's not of you, take it away, right? But if this is what you want me to do, bring through some clear sign so i started praying every single day god tell me what to do show me the way and i kept hearing every single day you've asked to be a tool. And I really have, since I was in third grade, I always prayed, God, make me a tool that you can work through. I'll do anything for you here on earth. And I would hear back. You've always prayed that prayer. This is how I need to work through you. So this is, this is what I needed to do. And this is what I heard over and over again for six months. Simultaneously, I was going through a shedding, like a layer shedding of my personal identity. So. Growing up in that way and flying beneath the radar and trying to be perfect, that had become my self identity. And I was always good at work, right? Like getting the gold star. And Spirit had to rip away that self identity of you're not just good at fundraising or, you know, like working within corporate America. And they did that through me having a boss first boss in my entire life who did not like the work that I was doing. And this was really frustrating because I got all A's and B's in school. I think I only got two C's ever always did amazing at work was always getting the gold star and my self identity was ripped away when she didn't like the work that I was producing. And I knew it was top quality work. And so it got to a point where I started to have suicidal thoughts and it came in the very first time, something like within my mind, I don't want to be here. And within three weeks, it really spiraled to, no, I don't want to be here. I'd rather be on the other side. If I was to leave, how would I do it? And I was at work one day when my boss went off swearing at me. And I walked into a coworker, same coworker who um, was there when my dad passed. And I said, I don't want to live anymore. And she picked up her jacket. She picked up her keys. She drove me to the hospital and I did an inpatient stay for about five days. And then I did an outpatient stay for about 30 days. It's very intensive therapy. You're like in group therapy or individual therapy for five, six hours a day. And when you're in inpatient, you can't talk to anybody who's not a doctor or, or on the floor that you're on. You know, you can't talk to family members. You can't talk to friends. My MO before this was if I had a problem in my life, I didn't use my intuition anymore. I had learned in my 20s not to. I developed a system of when I had an issue, I would go to call my mom. And if she didn't answer, I'd call my grandma. And then I'd call my sister. And then I'd call my best friend. And then I'd call my life coach. And then I'd call my aunt. And I'd get all these other people's opinions about what I should do with my own life. And it was the first time inpatient that I came back to connect with myself. and had to search within me to find out what I wanted instead of what else everybody else wanted. And it really helped me pull back these layers of, I remember a counselor in there saying, Julie, you keep talking about going back to work on Monday. This is when I was impatient. They're like, you think it's really back? Like that healthy to go back to an environment that made you want to not live your life anymore as a mom, as a wife. And she had to say that to me a couple of different times over a couple different days before it really clicked. And I stood back and I realized that leaving that position and starting over again, becoming a healer, wasn't going to be the end of my life. Wasn't going to be the end of me was going to be a new beginning. And no matter what that looked like, whether I got to work with a handful of people or a lot of people, I was ready for whatever God had next. And, um, shortly after I was done with those programs, I went to a healing fair. God was kind of led me to this healing fair. And I met a teacher. I told her my story and she goes, you know what you got to do, right? And I go, no. And she goes, you got to go through a healing program. Doesn't matter which program it is. You got to go through one. You got to develop your skills. And then you need to get in the game and you need to do this work.
1: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is very empowering. And it is. it just goes to show that whenever we're kind of being told, don't go down this road anymore. There's a new chapter awaiting. It's not easy. It's not like our guides or angels say, you know, this door's closed. This job is no longer for you. No, they do it in these (laughs) very subtle, difficult ways with awful bosses and, and other things going on. So thank you for sharing that. And really and truly, that's how spiritual awakenings work. I mean, they do shake you up. And yet look at all the important people, that coworker, the woman you met at the fair, like every time we have those dark nights of the soul, our angels mm-hmm. put the exact right people in our path at the exact right moment.
2: Mm-hmm. It's all that. part of the master plan. Yes. Yes. So when you
3: connect with people in spirit and the angelic realm, because you're known as the angel medium, which I love.
2: Yeah.
3: Do you feel a difference in the vibration and frequency of what you're connecting with? Or is it so how do you differentiate? Oh, I know I have something from someone from the angelic realm or being from the angelic realm versus I'm hearing my dad come through because I know a lot of fledgling mediums are, are trying to figure out I'm getting something. I just can't figure out where it's coming from.
2: Yeah, I talk about this a lot in my angel Reiki school where I teach people how to develop all of their spiritual gifts and the way that I look at it is this Spirit says that we put way too much emphasis on, like, which of the four clairs do I have? Am I clairaudient, clairsentient, clairvoyant, etc.? And they said that if you really look at what the four clairs are, we have all of them. And you can see that when we're reading a physical book, you open up the book, your eyes are looking at the words on the page, scanning them. But then internally, this auditory voice within you is saying those words to you within your own mind. And as that happens, you know, not everybody has that auditory voice. I think it's 80% of the population does 20% of the population doesn't. As you're reading, you might get a sense or a feeling of what's coming up. That's you feeling within your physical body. We get that as a healer as well. You might get a knowingness of what's going to happen in the future in the book. If somebody passes away again, you're going to really feel it, right? If there's descriptive energy, the girl went up over the mountain and it just glistened with this rainbow behind it. You're going to see it as imagery with your mind's eye. And when you look at it that way, instead of saying, I have to pick one of the four Claire's and hone in on that one, you start to realize that really the language of being an intuitive healer, connecting with the other side to get messages is more so a language of energy. So God doesn't have to use words to come through to us, nor do the angels, nor do loved ones or guides on the other side. Instead, they're able to use energy to get through to our four clairs. And so it's the same when you're perceiving angelic energy versus loved one energy on the other side. When I have loved ones come through from the other side, I can feel an earthly presence, just like I'm here with you. Now you can feel kind of their groundedness to the earth, that they have lines of cords or connection energies that connect them here. The angels don't have that because they haven't lived lifetimes here. They don't have that same grounded physical connection. Spirit saying to say as well, sometimes I even smell if I'm having a hard time determining. One of the signs that they use, if it's a loved one coming through, you can almost smell like a soil. Or if you know you ever go outside after it rains, there's a different smell to the earth. Smells like that. When it comes to angels, angels, if you think of what they are, they're direct extensions of God. They're God in different form with different roles to help us here. And so the energy of angels feels the most high vibrational, very much like oneness, sometimes even sparkly, if that makes any sense. And you can feel that sparkly energy. It's not like a seeing it, it, it's a feeling of it. And then you can see them too. I would say that when you see angels, I would say their presence is larger than when you see a loved one's presence, a loved one's presence. When I see it in my mind, eye, looks like a silhouette, the outline of a human body. Yeah.
1: That's a great description because I think when you feel the loved ones, you can feel their emotions and how much they love and care for the person you're trying to connect them with. Whereas the angels, they do have all of that love, but it's not the uh, intensity of the emotions. It's like they kind of have risen above all of that. And it's just a higher vibration overall, I think. Now I had someone email me a couple of months ago and they said, I've been praying a lot, I've been meditating a lot, and I'm trying to meet with my spirit guide, and I keep seeing Archangel Gabriel. Do you think Archangel Gabriel is my spirit guide? And I, like, you know, as a Catholic, I was like, oh, no, no. And, and then I'm thinking, you know, how can the archangel be a spirit guide to one person out of, you know, over 7 billion on earth? And spirit guides are people, I believe, who have lived before, whereas angels can guide us, but it's a different type. What would you say to that person who thinks their personal guide is Archangel Gabriel?
2: What's a word that has multiple uses? There's lots of words that have multiple uses, right? Guide is one of those words. And so when you look at the angels, all of them have different roles and responsibilities. And oftentimes when people are trying to work with their angels, I find students get most frustrated because there's so many angels. And a lot of times the way that the angels get to know you is one at a time. So think about it like this. If you went to my family party and there were 30 people there, and we left after two hours, you really wouldn't know. Everybody's names, what they're about. But if you went out to lunch with each of those 30 people, one at a time, really got to know them after six months, I could ask you and you'd be able to say a little about each one. Getting to know your angels is the same. If you see one angel working with you, there's never just one, there's always multiple. And they step in though, one at a time, because if they came in in a mad, rush as a group, you would be confused. You would be overwhelmed. So what'll happen is Archangel Raphael will come in for two months and work with you for two months to get to know you. you will begin to feel Raphael's presence, what he's about, exactly what he's working on in your life. You'll start to see signs that he's using with you. And then this happens a lot with healers. Then you'll start to not work with Archangel Raphael, but now Michael's here and Archangel Michael is working with you constantly. And the place where I think people get stuck is thinking to themselves, oh, well, Raphael is the only angel coming in. So I'm only working with Raphael. No, if you can work with one angel, one time, you can work with all of the angels all of the time, but in developing your gifts, cause I've taught people how to develop their auric field gifts, right? Or seeing aura colors, uh, bringing through past life regressions, connecting with the Akashic records, all of that, um, is in the angel Reiki school. You have to have the most patience when it comes to working with angels, because there are so many, And it takes a couple of years to really get to know the archangels seraphim angels that are working with you in everyday life Hmm. it's a great answer
1: and a wonderful explanation thank you
2: thank you because
3: you just hit a really good point julie of you know past life regression akashic records working with the angels working with deceased loved ones and the more and more any of us do this work, we realize it's all going to the same place. And you may choose mm-hmm. God, you may choose source, you may choose whatever feels right and true to you. If you're more from a, a First Peoples, you may have a different perspective. And that's all, but it I still believe it all goes to that same source energy. So would you do you feel that the angels overshadow not overshadow? Because that's kind of an odd word to use, but That's the precipice of all your other work, that everything goes back to that, the angels and God for you.
2: I would say that my biggest gift is being a teacher. And we're all trying to find our unique path to help people in our own unique way And you're right, all of it does lead to the exact same place for both the healer and the clients that they're working with. But I think my primary gift is being a teacher and helping people realize that it's okay to fuse all of their different gifts together. When I was very first starting out in 2015, I went to some pretty big conferences with some big spiritual teachers and I was really disheartened to find so many people say, stay in your lane. If you're a medium, stay in your lane. If you're an intuitive, stay in your lane, hypnotherapy, all of it. And it felt very egoic to me that they didn't really want other people encroaching on their territory. So I prayed very deeply about this. And what Spirit said is that even within the spiritual community, there is still a lot of egoic mind thought and man-made thought. And anything that doesn't stem directly from love is not of us. And they want us, they'll show me in a session, Denise, like over a person's shoulder, you can see these glowing orbs and it represents the number of souls your soul is here to help. And what spirit would say is Denise can't help all of the souls that she's here to help unless she's using all of her spiritual gifts together. And Samantha can't do that unless she's using all of her gifts and I can't. So I think it's really more about the fusion of using all of it for the maximum benefit of each person that we're in front of.
3: I agree. It is about being of service. It's always about yeah. being of service. And you yeah. just made a really, really good point, Julie, is that when ego gets in the way or when you know dreams of fame and fortune or, hey, look at me, you've stepped away from my, that's my personal opinion but um mm-hmm. the blunt version is there's a lot of hacks out there right now and we need more people yeah. who want to do this to be of service and yeah. it sounds i love your your description of fusion of all of those things that's very very well said thank you
1: yeah i think that shocked me the most when i started in this spiritual world was that there is a lot of ego out there and there is a lot of competition mm-hmm. and you know you will feel that pushback and that that confused me for a very long time. But then I just kept getting the message to just, you know, keep focusing on you and just let everyone do their own thing. If they want to be egoic or that's fine. And, and just focus on you. And so I think it's interesting that, that you encountered some of those similar things. You know, I also had, I I went to so many different teachers and I did have one teacher who did kind of go negative when she was working with Mm -hmm. us. And And I just rather than focus out, okay, that's not my teacher. And I just, you know, moved on to the next one. And I think that's really important. A question we get a lot from listeners is okay, I'm on this journey now. I'm getting into Reiki and my angels, and I'm studying crystals, and my partner is not having Mm it. So, how. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm assuming that when you married your husband, you, you know, had this job and you know you and now you're this, you know, wonderful best-selling writer and teacher and, and medium of connecting with angels. How did he come along the journey with you?
2: Oh, this is a fascinating one. So now that you know my background childhood story, I met my husband actually 15 years ago last night. Um oh, happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, he walked into an event that I was throwing for my job and uh, he just looked so spiffy, like shine shoes, really like sharply dressed and like, whoa, he's handsome. We went on our second date and he told me how his mom had left the family for someone that she cheated with. And... Knowing that he had been through the same childhood that I had gone through just in the reverse, I had trouble with men. He had trouble trusting women. There was a bond and a link and an energy where I just felt like there was no one else more perfectly created to be with me. And I, you guys ever swear on this show? Yes all the time. Uh, Marriage can be a shit show, right? Like (laughs) like you're picking someone in the prime of your youth when you don't know squat and you're going to say that you're going to stick together for the rest of your life. I used to say I really didn't believe in marriage because I just hadn't really seen it work out. But his love and the quality of his love and just being there to support me time. And again, whether or not he believes in something. So when I started this work, I had just gone through being in the hospital, having suicidal thoughts, not wanting to be here. And so he was a changed person just from having gone through that experience with me. And I think if we hadn't gone through that together he'd be like what the hell julie like what are you getting into but he looked at me the very first day when i said i was going to go to this spiritual you know show and he said do what makes you happy follow your joy oh what a and beautiful I, answer yeah well and then it went deeper after that he was always atheist writer, more agnostic, not knowing what he believed in. And when I asked spirit, whether or not I should talk about it with him, they said, no, let us work on him. You focus on you, Julie is what I kept hearing. And about two or three years into doing this work. He came to me and he goes, you know, Christmas is coming up. We don't normally get each other things, but he said, I really like to do this thing that I heard of on a podcast. He said, oh, what is that type of meditation? Transcendental like a- yes he's like um oh he was watching the documentary too i think he heard it on a podcast first sign and then he was watching a beatles documentary and they had done transcendental meditation too and he's like I, I think i want to try this and i was like heck Yeah, spirit, way to get in there and work with him. So he started doing that. And he's a huge fan now. He sees how many clients that I work with who have just gotten like huge benefit. I get cards and emails all the time just saying how much it's touched people's lives. And he knows for himself, uh, he's an overthinker. He's got a lot of anxiety. How much just getting into transcendental meditation has taken away that anxiety for him.
1: That is beautiful. I love that because that's something that we say a lot. You know, if you're on this path and, you're, and your partner isn't or other family members or friends, it's not up to you to convince them or change them. You know, once again, like you just follow your path and everything else will fall into place. When you're doing what you're here to do, I really do believe everything else falls into place. And that's a perfect example of that. Love it. Yeah.
3: Well, my mind went in a different direction. I thought you were going to say tantric, but we won't go there. On this
1: <laughs> <day>. <laughs> well, tell people where they can find your podcast and your website if they want to book a session with you.
2: They can go to um, theangelmedium.com. The podcast is Angels and Awakening. The book is Angels and Awakening. And I'm on Instagram at angelpodcast. Oh, perfect. And are you still doing your, um, your school? Yeah. Yeah. So we do the angel Reiki school. We start new one, uh, new cohorts all the time. And then I've also got an angel membership that gives people access to dozens of my past courses, teachings, uh, workshops and et cetera.
1: That's perfect. This has been such a joy to get a chance to talk with you and share you with our listeners. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Oh, thank you both for having me. This has been a pleasure.
1: Oh, it's been wonderful. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: And thank you guys, everyone, for listening. We'll put links to all of Julie's amazing work in our show notes. And please remember, as always, to show up, do great work, and share your light.
0: Take care.